Good morning. Good morning. Again. As Father Coe said, I'm Deacon Joe Dockery Jackson. I'm up the road in uh, Rock Island. And you may be saying, you know, he looks kind of familiar. And that's because I've been here before. I was here last March to, to preach on the invitation of Father Coe. I've done communion services. And I think I actually did music one week- weekend. So I've been here a couple times. So if you've got that, I think I know him, it's because I have been here before. But my time here today is much different. Because I'm coming today as a missionary. And I have to say, maybe the most unlikely missionary in the world. Because my idea of the ideal vacation is everybody in the family is in the backyard with their own weed whacker. I'm just a real homeboy. And yet I come to you today as a missionary for a school in Africa. It all started in the late 1990s. We had an African priest, Father Michael Adri, who used to come to St. Pius every summer for about six weeks. It was an opportunity for the parish priest to kind of schedule their vacations, and also it was an opportunity for Father Michael, who was an order priest for an African mission order, to make some money for his order. Well, he and I became good friends, and before Mass, he would be in the, the sacristy, and he'd be saying to the pastor at the time, you know, Monsignor, the plane flies two ways. He says, you could come visit me. Well, I knew that wasn't going to happen. So after months and months of, of Father Adri saying this, I heard the words coming out of my mouth, well, I'll go. And even as they were coming out, I was saying, what am I doing? And all of a sudden, the nature of the conversation changed from who's going to come see me to Joe, when are you coming? Well, I thought about it and prayed about it, and I talked to the new pastor, Father Schaub, and, and said, there's an opportunity for us to go and see this place, this village in, in Ghana, West Africa. I told Father Michael, you know, I'll come and visit, but I want to do something, because I'm kind of type, type A. And he said, no, 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 just come and see my people. I want my people to know who I've been coming to visit, and I want you to come to know my people, my family. Well, I kept insisting I want to do something, and after about the fourth time, Father Michael says, well, we do need a school. I was thinking, like, paint a fence. <laughs> so, okay. So I talked to Father Schaub, and we talked to the parish council, and he said, go on a fact-finding. Just find out what the need is. So in August of 2008, my son and I went to visit in Ghana, West Africa, and got to meet the people there and understood the tremendous need for school. Because the educational system in Ghana is based on the British system, where if you don't pass an exit test, you're not eligible to go to the next level. And in one of the junior highs in the village, for two years in a row, not one student had passed the test. And so for those students, their lives, their educational lives were over. And this is an area of the world that just knows how important education is to changing their way of life. So it was clear that there was a need for a school. But more than that, that community was thirsting for a Catholic school. Because Father Adri was from that village, and he remembered the time, and the village remembered the time, when the schools were Catholic. And the education they provided 
the moral education as well as the academic education. The government came in and said, we'll help you run your Catholic schools. And over the time, they became less Catholic and less Catholic, and the quality declined. And so these people wanted a, a Catholic school. We met with just about every possible group. We met with the tribal leaders, the village leaders, the educational leaders, the economic development people, everyone we could. And they all reinforced the need for a school in that community. We also met with the bishop, and he strongly supported us, but he said, let me tell you something about Africans. They talk very well, but sometimes they don't follow through. So I left Africa after my visit in August of 2008 with the understanding that my job would be to raise money, their job would be to build the school. Well, for months I heard nothing. And then suddenly one day I got an email. And you'll see as you come in or as you leave church today at the doorway, there are two posters which are the flyers that were posted in this village where they're recruiting teachers and students for school to start in September of 2009. That ruh <laughs> They're really going to do it. And so I began fundraising, began my missionary work in raising money for the school. We did start in September of 2009 with 23 students in kindergarten and first grade. We met in the church building in this local village. The next year we went down to pre-kindergarten and up to second grade. And every year we've been adding one grade to the top. So now we go from pre-kindergarten through sixth grade. Well, it took us about two years to outgrow the church. And luckily there was a man in our community who was building a library in that village. And the library was complete enough that we could move in and hold our classes there. But it wasn't long after that that we had grown to 120 students and we were bursting at the seams in the library. We worked with the community, we identified 10 acres of land, began work on a permanent facility, what will eventually be a two-story school in this community. Through years and years of fundraising, three weeks ago, we moved into our permanent facility. Now that's the good news, but have you ever moved into a house that's not quite done? That's kind of where we are with the school. Is we are in there, but there's a lot of work that needs to be done, and eventually we're going to need to put that second story on as we continue to grow. But the good news is, through the generosity of the people of the Diocese of Peoria, we have made this a reality. And so I'm here today on a mission appeal for the Fulton Machine Catholic Academies in Ghana, West Africa. And it's a perfect weekend for a mission appeal. It's Mercy Sunday, and the Pope has declared an extraordinary jubilee, mercy, holy year, a year of mercy and compassionate love. We also hear in the reading from the Acts of the Apostles, our first reading, about a generous spirit of sharing, holding things in common. In our Gospel, we typically refer to that as doubting Thomas, but to me that's kind of like the glass half empty approach. Really, I think today's gospel is about trust. And when I heard, when I received that email about the school actually starting, I found I needed to trust God to make this happen. And it's been six years of trusting God that has enabled our school to come, come to being. Now I've often thought, 
Why this way? God is all-knowing, all-powerful. Why couldn't God have just given everybody in the whole world everything they needed? If God had done that, I wouldn't need to be here this morning begging for money. But God didn't do that. I thought at least when the lottery gets up about $200 million, I'll do my part. I'll buy the ticket. God, you just need to give me the numbers. That hasn't happened either. So why has God done it this way instead? I believe it's been set up for our benefit. Because of who we become when we respond to God's call to share what we have by putting the giver, God, and not the gifts, our stuff, at the center of our lives. Now the first reading is not about selling everything and moving into a hippie commune. It's really about our relationships with our gifts. And that's as true today as it was in the time of the apostles. You know, chapter 5 of Ecclesiastes says, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Haven't you known people like that? It's when we start loving the gifts and not the giver that we get disordered. And so I think the way it's set up, the reason I'm here begging today, is to help us love the giver and use that gift, the gifts we have, to share that love. There's a fellow by the name of Ellen Hunt. He's written a book called Life's Greatest Lessons, What I've Learned from the Happiest People I Know. Now, the name Ellen Hunt may sound just a little bit familiar because on your bulletin board in the back of church, there's a bulletin, there's an announcement for a workshop that Ellen Hunt did yesterday in Geneseo on marriage. It's the same Ellen Hunt. And he wrote a book about the happiest people he knows. And he asks us to think about legs. L-E-G-S. Ellen Hunt says, Legs are the key to being the happiest people in the world. L, love all you can. That means opening your heart up to everyone and sharing the love of God that you have within you with them. That also means loving as deeply as you can the people that God puts in your life. Those people that it's easy to love and those people that it's maybe not so easy to love. L, love all you can. E, earn all you can. Now that's a little bit dangerous to say to me because I tend to be a workaholic. And what this does not mean is working on Sunday or giving up meals with the family to work. But what it does mean, earn all you can. Use the gifts that God has given you to earn for your family and for God. We need to balance our love of God and our need to earn all we can. G stands for give all you can. What Alan Hunt suggests is you need to have a plan for giving. And a plan starts with a goal. Now, rumor has it that taxes are due next week, I think. I don't know if anybody's figured that out yet. And so this is a perfect time to kind of come up with a goal. 
because you can look at your tax return and you can calculate what percent of my income am I giving back? And whatever that number is, great. It's your baseline. And you can decide from that baseline, what do I want that number to be? And maybe a 10-year plan to get there. Saying, this is what I want to be able to give away. A plan also requires a strategy. To whom do I want to give this money to? The most important thing is, it starts with the parish. If you good people had not been giving to this parish, I wouldn't be here this morning. Because the parish wouldn't be here, and I wouldn't be able to beg for money for the school in Africa. So it starts with the parish. Now, when I was growing up, I had two misconceptions about money. The first misconception was, my parents had all the money in the world, and they were just choosing not to give it to me. (laughs) I quickly realized I graduated from college, and within about a year or two of graduating from college, I was making more money than my father, who had been working for 30 years in a photography studio in Chicago. So that was my first realization. It came fairly early in my adult life. The second misconception I had about money was I had that same thought about the church. The church has all the money it needs. I didn't ever connect what happens at the offertory with what happens in the church. And it took a long time for me to get that connection. So any plan for giving starts with supporting the parish. But for many of us, it will not end there. Because God will have put on our hearts other things, other ways in which we can love others. I'm here today to talk about the Fulton Sheen Academies as one of those things that God may have, may have put on your heart in terms of educating these children in Africa. You may have other things on your heart, and that's okay. Because your giving plan is basically a cooperative between you and God. What God has put on your heart in terms of sharing what he has given you. Finally, the S for legs is to save all you can. Now that sounds strange. How can you give all you can and save all you can? But what Alan Hunt is talking about here is saving so you can give. To think about, are we going to go out to eat tonight? Or to give us more joy, more pleasure, be more fulfilling, if we took the money we would have spent going out, and put that aside to be able to give to what God has put on our hearts. Now, I said this last night, and as a fellow's leaving church, he says, well, there goes my time at Duckies." <laughs> but that's the point. Now, sometimes you may say, hey, you know, for the relationship, the answer is let's go out. It may be just saying, I'm going to keep the car an extra year. There are many ways in which we can save all we can. And they're all interrelated. You earn all you can and you save all you can to be able to give all you can as a way of showing and loving all you can. So I invite you to embrace legs. If God has put it on your heart to give to the Fulton Sheen Academies, wonderful. We do need your support. But it may be something else, and that's okay. We do have envelopes in the, the pews. So if God has put it on your heart to give to the Fulton Sheen Academy today, just drop it in the regular collection. There will not be a second collection. Just drop it in the regular collection. If, in fact, 
You need to pray about it? That's fine. Throughout the month of April, if God has put it on your heart to give something to Fulton Sheen Academy, drop it in the collection any Sunday in April, and it will get there. If you're writing a check, make the check out to St. Patrick's so that Father Coe can take all of those checks and create one donation to the missions. You may need to pray about it for a long time. I've been saying this since I've started doing these appeals six years ago. And you might need to pray. So put the brochure, put the flyer on the refrigerator with the envelope and pray about it and see if that's what God wants you to do. Now, about a year or two ago, I got a call from the bookkeeper at St. Pius. And she said, we just got a check in the mail for $4,000. I was curious. So I went over to church and I, I saw the check. And I also saw the brochure that accompanied the check. It was from our first mission appeal. Somebody had that brochure and envelope on the refrigerator for four years praying about whether that was what God wanted them to do with that. That's fine. And if your heart is somewhere else, that's also fine. Because God's a much better accountant than I am. If your heart is in pro-life, if your heart is feeding the, the hungry, go where your heart tells you. God will sort it out. He will provide for all the missions that are in his name. So again, I thank you for your support. You can use the envelope either this week or any time in this month to give, and if, if you need to put it on the refrigerator and, and think about it for months and months, you can just address the envelope when you're ready and send it directly to St. Pius, which is our fiscal agent. So, God bless you, and I invite you to respond to God's invitation to become one of the happiest people in the world. <laughs>